everyone, welcome back to this wonderful podcast. Uh, I am joined with by a group of friends of mine from different churches around Singapore. So I will go around asking them to introduce themselves to all of you who do not know them very well. You have, you might have met one of them, but the rest of them, I don't think you guys have met them before. So let's start with David. Do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, hello, I'm David. I'm from Princep Street Presbyterian Church. And out of all the people here, I'm the only Presbyterian. Yeah, the only one yeah. that dumps um, kids. Yep. And YB, you don't say welcome back on your first episode because no, it's your first time. This is not my first episode on this podcast. Oh, legit? Oh, okay. I, I've well, uploaded, I have up, no, I have uploaded other series on, on this podcast nice. before. So, nice, nice. This is yeah. interesting. Cool, cool. So, but, but it's the first episode for the under 16, uh, 1689. So, yeah. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. So you are wrong, Dave. <laughs> like how you are wrong on the baptism too. Okay. Anyway, Chris, welcome. Uh, do you want to do a quick introduction of yourself? Yeah. Hi, I'm Chris. Uh, I'm YB's friend from Singapore Poly. Uh, and I, I don't know if you've seen me before, but I attended Truth Baptist Church to attend his baptism. Alright. Yeah, uh, I'm from Gateway Church as well. Yeah. Alright, alright, cool. Joanna. Hi, I'm Joanna. Um, I'm Reformed Baptist and I'm from New Life Baptist Church. Which does also, not I'm the only female of the group. Yes, that's right. Which ha- doesn't happen to be a Reformed Baptist Church, sadly. <laughs> Well, uh, anyways, uh, if you guys, uh, for, for my youth, actually, if you guys remember the previous church where we are from, uh, where we came out from, Singapore Baptist Church, that church itself is under the Singapore Baptist Convention, which happens to be the same convention that oversees uh, Joanna's church, right? You guys are under the Singapore Baptist Convention. So, yeah. Anyway, this is these are my friends that are on this podcast with me for today. Anyways, the purpose of this podcast today is for us to discuss a bit about uh, the London Baptist Confession of Faith as an introduction and the history of it itself. It's going to be an amateur podcast, so we're going to talk a lot about a lot of trash, but don't mind us. It's just going to be a casual conversation about our own views and our perspective on the uh, on the London Baptist Confession 1689 specifically and also the confession as a whole in general. As you guys who have, some of you who have known about uh, the 1689 Confession itself is known by many names, but is the second, uh, is the second version of the Confession for the Baptists in England back in the day. The first one, as we have established uh, in during our YPF, is that it was so called it was drafted in 1644 by seven Baptist ministers. After that, it came along the Westminster Confession of 1646 by the Presbyterians which was supposed to be held by the Anglicans also. And then um, there are other confessions made in the period, uh, such as the several confessions in 1658. After that, in around May 1689, we have have the Act of Toleration where the the Anglicans themselves, the English government allowed other uh, denominations to do their things in England. So around that time, that was the start of our, the making of the 1689 uh, Baptist Confession of Faith or the London Baptist Confession of Faith. So that is just a brief history of the confession itself. What I want to talk about more is about our modern take on the confessions itself. I think 
all of us here, you know, in this podcast, we all live in Singapore. Many Singaporeans are not confessional in the sense that they do not hold on to a specific confession itself. In fact, the most common phrase that we hear all over the world is, in fact, in Singapore also, is that uh, no creed but the Bible, right? No creed but Christ. We always hear that. So, how to open up this time for, you know, for you guys to give your own input. What do you guys think about this statement itself? And what do you guys think about the take on Singaporeans on confession? Should we hold on a confession itself or should we just you know do away without do away with confession altogether that means we just say that we follow whatever our pastor teaches or whatnot so yeah i'll open the time to you guys if you guys got any comment on this and why don't we start with david since i think the if i'm wrong the presbyterians are supposed to confess the westminster right so what's your take on it how do you view how do you view a church on this stance Okay, there's so many questions. You're asking me about my church stance and you're asking you about my stance. No, no, okay. No, not really your church stance, but your stance. What do you think about it? You know, looking sure, at sure. Like, this whole thing. Yeah, I, I think um, before I comment on my view of confession, I want to articulate more on the Singapore culture, mm. which makes it hard for us to hold to confessions. If you look at the Singapore culture, individualism is actually quite rampant. So... The idea of, oh, I, I want to decide what I want to believe. Um, it's all about me. I don't care what other people say. And so that's why you meet a lot of Singaporeans to be in a domination. They don't want to hold to a tradition. They, they think traditions are old. They want to start their new one, you know. Uh, and that's why people nowadays um, abandon confessions because it feels very rigid. feels very, uh, you know. Uh, and I would be more free. Which, of course, um, we can talk about that another time. That kind of, their, their view is wrong. Okay, um, <laughs> simple. Yeah, so uh, the reason why I, I believe we should have a confession uh, is because if you don't have a confession, no, am I lagging? Like, yeah. yeah, if you have, if you don't have a confession, um, you will veer off to so many heresies. Hmm. Yeah, because if you don't hold to a confession, you can believe whatever you want, and no one can stop you. You know, no, you are not accountable to anything. Yeah, so that's why, I, at least for, for right now, that's what I'm going to say first. That I think confession is important. Because if you want to have proper right theology, you should ground yourself in a proper right tradition, a biblical tradition. Mm, okay, interesting. Uh, talk about traditions. <laughs> what do you think about tradition, actually? I mean, for, for David yourself, what do you think about traditions like? Because, you know, yeah. a, a lot of us as, as reform, as Protestants, we always say that we protest against traditions. So what's your take on it? Yeah, yeah. So when people say protest against tradition, I when reformers, what they mean is they protest that tradition is in the same place as scripture, meaning that we derive truth from scripture and tradition. Well, as the reformer says, no, 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 tradition is important, but that is subordinate to scripture. So if you look at the reformers, right, actually they uphold tradition very well, right? They say they, if you look at John Calvin's Institutes, he quotes Augustine very well. Um, he quotes, he engages the church fathers. And even, in fact, guys, someone, we are reformed, but we hold to reform traditions. We hold to reform confessions, right? So we're not saying that tradition or confessions are wrong. We're just saying that these traditions, confessions must be subversive to scripture. Lah. Mm. Yeah. So that's what I, I think it means. Okay. What do the rest think? Yeah, what do you guys think? What, what about the rest? What's your take on this whole confession and tradition? Uh, I think personally for my church, they don't hold 
1689 or any particular um, confession either than the Apostles' Creed. Uh, but fundamentally, my church is not reformed, so they have never seen the importance la, of following confessions. In fact, my, fa- my pastor told me before that, you know, the confession is not the Bible, therefore, you know, it's secondary to it, so we shouldn't be so strict in following or reading or adhering to it. Do you are you aware if the Salvan uh sorry the Salvan the Singapore Baptist Convention do they have a conf, do they have like a statement of faith? Sorry, <laughs> I'm thinking too much of Salvan Baptist. Not sure. Yeah, sorry, I'm, not, I'm also not aware of. I'm also not very certain about but that. I go check it. I think the problem with um the Singapore churches and also including the Baptist churches is just that you know in general everybody is becoming really liberal. Mm. Even like my pastor, I mean Baptist, we are. We are historically supposed to be like really strict to the word, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, that's kind of like what we are known for. But I think over the years now that we're in twenty twenty, it's like, um, yeah, this also can, this one can slide. You know, like this is not so important. And I think it has also seeped into my own church personally. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think yeah, all of us have that's seen why that. They don't think, that's why they don't think confessions or traditions are important, you know, as long as you have the Bible can already, that kind of that kind of mindset. Actually that is more prominent in the Baptist churches, yeah. I feel. The emphasis the over emphasis of denying um traditions in all shapes and forms. Uh thank you, Joanna. Chris I think coming from a Presbyterian church you also have you also might have something to say about confessions. Uh, I mean- uh, uh, yeah, so for me, some background is that I used to attend a Presbyterian church. It's called... Okay, n- never mind. I used to attend a Presbyterian <laughs> church. Uh, but now, I, I mean, Gateway Church, which is totally different altogether. But, I mean, I'll, I'll just stick to what, what we are discussing. Uh, I think everybody has beliefs, okay, whether they acknowledge it or not. Everybody holds to a certain system of beliefs, uh, especially Christians. They are not exempt from it. Um... Even if you ask a Christian who doesn't hold to any confessions, uh, or a Christian who doesn't believe in the importance of traditional confessions, uh, you, you just need to probe them a little bit and you'll find out that actually they do have a certain system. Of what do they believe about the church? What do they believe about the atonement? What do they believe about the divinity of Christ, the humanity of Christ? All these things, they, they do have a certain belief, just that it's not fleshed out, it's not explained. They might not even realize what they actually believe in these areas. Uh, and I, I think a lot of great things have been said already by uh, David and Joanna, but just to quickly add on, I think, yes, our culture has definitely shaped us into thinking that, uh, you know, uh, the traditions are all bad. You know, it, it, we are like free creatures. You know, we, are, we, are, we are the captain of our destiny. You know, so we, we, we forge our own understanding of what we think truth is. You know, we, we forge our own um, journey, our own path in, in search for what we should believe in. Uh, but of course, um, some great things about confession, some great things about biblical traditions, okay, not all traditions are bad. Uh, you know, uh, for those people who say, you know, just me and my Bible, right? No, no creed but Christ, if you've heard of that. But for the people who said that, I think newsflash, you're not the first person to read the Bible. Okay? And newsflash, you're not the first person in history who has wrote down all their thoughts on what they think the Bible teaches as a whole. And one of the good things about confessions is that uh, know that what people in the past, what Christians in the past have believed, 
uh, and at the same time, a lot of these confessions, the background was written so that we would avoid heresy, we would avoid false teaching. So a good thing about reading confessions and just historical Christianity as a whole is to know uh, what threats are there to Christianity, what threats are there to the church, and how people have fought them in the past so that we will not make the same mistake. Yeah, uh, we will not repeat history. Yeah, so actually knowing some tradition can be good, some tradition is good, but as long as it does not supersede the authority of scripture. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. I think Chris just segued <laughs> us into a very good point of discussion also. Um, I think certain people will argue that as as confessional, in the sense that we hold on to a specific confession, uh, we are we are so-called putting the confession on equal status as the scripture of equal authority. I, how, what do you guys think about this and how will you so-called reply to someone if they were to ask this kind of questions? Incorrect. <laughs> <laughs> you want to expound on it a bit more besides just being incorrect? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, to, to clarify your question, uh, some people might interpret what we're saying as, oh, you are elevating tradition rather or confession to the same level as scripture. And in that sense, to a certain degree, you're actually very equal, similar to the Roman Catholic Church. So you're asking us what we would answer to that statement, is it? Yeah, yeah, how how will you answer to that statement? How will you respond to that? What do the rest think? <laughs> I think uh, uh, Paul is the podcast host, not you. <laughs> no, I think what do the rest think? What do the rest think? I'm still thinking. <laughs> I thought you have an answer. You just straight out saying correct. I thought I thought you have a reply. Okay, fine. What about the rest? What do you guys think? Can you repeat the question again? So, uh, I think, I believe, I'm not sure if you guys have faced this kind of situation, but sometimes uh, a person who does not confess to a certain confession or even say that they have a certain statement of faith, I mean, they come to you and they tell you that, hey, your confession, uh, you are elevating your confession to the same level as the scriptures. That means you are stating that the confession is as authoritative as the scripture. Then how will you react to this kind of statements that are being made? I guess firstly I will question their understanding of confessions. Okay. What do they think of it? What is their opinion of it? I don't think I will straight away answer their question, uh, but I would want to understand their perspective first as mm-hmm. to why they seem to be so against it. Okay. Alright, that's fair. That's fair. Chris, do you have anything? I mean, while David is still thinking. Yeah, so, so if I got it right, your question is, uh, uh, what, what would I say to people who say that we are holding confessions to the same level of authority as the Bible, yeah. is it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so uh, I think for those people, they must realize that what the purpose of confessions you know, <laughs> even is, okay, is to not be uh, on the same authority as the Bible itself, but rather is... Its purpose is to serve more as a tool of help to believers to kind of summarize and break down in a more uh, concise manner certain doctrines of scripture. Um, Confessions are more to ground what we believe in, the different topics of Christianity. And there are many, you know, there's so many. But what confessions help to do is to really break it down into bite-sized chunks to see what the whole of scripture talks about a certain topic. 
Yeah, I think that is very useful. It has its uses in those areas. Hmm. Um, confessions, of course, do, do, uh, are not able to cover everything. For example, confessions are, uh, they cannot serve the same purpose as maybe what your pastor should be doing in the sense where it, it can't really exposit scripture. It doesn't do that. But maybe it's really just to summarize what the fundamentals. Facet, yeah, yeah, the fundamentals and certain facets of Christianity that are historically, biblically affirmed. Okay. Uh, Dave, have you thought of an answer? Yeah, I guess. Um, okay, so other than what uh, Joanna and Chris shared, I think what I would say is, first of all, I, I think I would ask them to study the confessions themselves because a lot of assumptions and presuppositions are made about the confessions, um, which it will all be erased if they read the confessions itself. When they realize how the confessions were made, how they realize that actually the confessions, they grounded on scripture, and how if you actually talk to any confessional person, they'll never ever ever say that the Bible is the same level as the confessions. Not at all, you know. So, in a hypothetical situation, when the guy reads the confession and then he is convicted by scripture that it is wrong, then of course his conscience is not bound by the confession, it's bound by scripture. But, but there's a bit of nuance, there's a bit of catch to it. In a sense that when you realize that your interpretation of scripture is different from the confession, it, makes, it gives you time to think because you realize, hey, why is my interpretation of scripture different from thousands of godly men and women interpretation of the Bible? Why, why is it different? So again, what I'm saying is at one hand, um, if I disagree with the confessions because of my belief of scripture, then I'll go to the scriptures. Okay. And on the other hand, I must do it very carefully because I must make sure that my interpretation of scripture is right, lah. You know what I mean? But of course, most of the time, as a as a as a Presbyterian, I believe with all my heart that the confessions are right. That's why I believe it. <laughs> okay. Cool. Th that brings out the another question. Like, for example, because the Presbyterians itself, you guys use the Westminster. As mentioned before, there are some uh, so-called differences between these two confessions. So, how does one choose a confession in that sense? How do we choose a confession? What do you mean by choose a confession? As in like, how do I... So, for example, let's say myself, I am from a... Let's just say, for example, I am from a non-denominational church. And let's say suddenly I want to become a confessional. How do I choose which confession to read first or which confession to confess in, in that sense? Um, read the confessions or <laughs> Okay. I mean, I cannot tell them which one to choose, right? I think that's not I the best way. read all of them. Sorry? I think they should read all of them. Just read through all yeah, of read them. Yeah, read all the confessions. And, and you'll eventually find out that you will lean more to which one. Uh. So by your beliefs, uh, right, in that sense. Yeah. You'll, you'll lean yeah, towards yeah. which specific uh, confession. Okay. And it comes it comes to one of the one of the question that I find quite interesting. This, uh, David, confirm have. What about the rest of you guys? What what are the specific um? Is there anything that you disagree with the sixteen eighty nine specifically the London Baptist Confession of Faith? Is there anything that, uh, you guys have read through yourself and you guys think that, um, I have some I have difficulty accepting it or in fact I outright disagree with, uh, what it has to say. Yeah, I'm just trying to throw this out to you guys and. For you guys to see your, your viewpoints on this. I see that David is getting more and more excited. 
No, no, no. I'm excited to what Chris would say. Why? <laughs> 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 All right, Chris. Yeah, I'm sure I can, I can, I can give my take on it. I, I think this is when I would say that even while confessions are great, okay, they're not perfect. And this is a good, very good um, point to say uh, why why they cannot be on the same level as scripture. Okay, because we, we must understand that these confessions were made in a particular time. Uh, and in that particular time, there were particular heresies, perhaps. There were very specific problems to that age that we might not be facing today, okay? at, at least to the same degree. And of course, we know that um, 1689, 1646, those years, um, were very, very recent years from the Reformation. Um, Rome was still a very big problem the Pope, you know, uh, and all of that. And if you look at, whether you look at the Westminster Confession or the 1689 Confession, okay, uh, as much as you guys, true Baptist Church, right, y'all would want to go for the Baptist Confession, right? Yeah. Uh, a, a word of warning, a word of warning is to really don't immediately take everything at face value. Um, because for me personally, though, uh, I do think that I, I am in agreement with most of the confession, one particular point that I would disagree with, okay, just with the foundation of what I've been saying so far, is the, the point where it talks about the Antichrist, okay? So uh, I think for some of you, you might have heard of this term before. Uh, not sure if you have, but a lot of people, a lot of Christians today like to throw around this term called Antichrist. And surprisingly, actually, it, it is a very... Um, it is a term that is not used that much in the whole Bible. Uh, in fact, I believe it is only mentioned once in the book of First John, yeah, which talks about you know, the Antichrist. Uh, and a lot of Christians in history, including the London Baptist Confession of Faith, have, have used that term, seen that term, and kind of related it to a specific individual, that there will be this one Antichrist who will rise up, you know, as we approach the return of Christ, which is a separate topic altogether. But a lot of Christians in history past, and many Christians today, because of tradition, okay, you see, you see uh, tradition coming up again, uh, they will see things like the Pope as the Antichrist. And that's what the London Baptist Confession of Faith and the Westminster Confession of Faith relates to the Antichrist too, the Pope, right? Well, of course, uh, in that point, uh, yeah, re re regarding that point, I do agree with what they say, in terms of uh, that there is no other authority above God. Well, sorry, let, let, let me try and find the exact point. So if you guys have the confession, y'all can follow. Um, the Antichrist is brought under chapter 26. Yes, to, uh, 26. Chapter 26, point number 4. Yeah, so I, I agree with the other points which talk about how the Lord Jesus Christ is, is the head of the church, appointed by the Father power of all uh, institutions, order, government of the church, uh, totally agree. But then, uh, right after that, they decided to bring in the Pope of Rome, which <laughs> calling him the Antichrist, the man of, the son of perdition, the man of lawlessness, um, all these terms which you can be found in your Bibles. But I do think that this point in particular might have been influenced more by what has been, what was happening around them culturally specific to their age, their, their timeline, uh, and not necessarily one that comes from a biblical reading of those texts. Uh, because, again, 
if uh, our job as Christians is to read the Bible as it is, uh, each book in its context, to know the situation at uh, which the original audience of those texts were in, and yeah, all, all those other things which I, I'm sure Yipo can help to explain a bit more when, whenever he does. But uh, yeah, this is just one example of which I would disagree with a historic traditional confession because I do believe that their traditions affected them in the wrong sense. And as a result, it led them to have this interpretation of a term that really is not tied to any specific individual, but rather the term Antichrist, I believe, is tied to a, a general sense that whoever denies the Son, whoever denies Christ, is an Antichrist. So, yeah. Alright, so Chris is basically talking about how the cultural influence their understanding. Is that right? Their yes. interpretation. So will you still consider yourself a confessional though? Like even if that, with that discrepancy? Uh, I, yeah, I, I, definitely, I definitely would. Um, I, I, I would say, I, if anything, I would hold to most of 1689. Yeah, I, I can't say that I'm a full-on 1689 because of this. But other than that, um, I'm more or less okay with whatever else is written so far okay, as, I, as I read it. So uh, uh, take it as you will if you want to consider that confessional. If you don't want to consider me a professional, sure. <laughs> 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 I'm not really brought down by, by that, by that uh, tag, being oh. tagged by that term. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I totally agree with Chris. With that point on, on the Antichrist, <laughs> right? specifically the Pope. The Pope being the Antichrist. Yeah, uh, sorry, if I can add on one thing. Yeah. Uh, because um, think about it, um, when, you, when you look at First John, written so many years ago, before the first pope even came about. Do you think that the original readers of 1 John, when they saw that term, when John writes Antichrist, whoever denies the son is an Antichrist, do you think they would have thought, oh yeah, you know, this guy a few you know, thousand plus Beatles. years later will rise up and then yes, this must, that must be that guy. I mean, it's no, they, they, they wouldn't have thought about that at all. Uh, but of course, John, during his time, had very specific problems that he wanted to warn the Christian is the church about you know, all these antichrists, you know, <laughs> uh, to look out for. And yeah, I, I think that's that, that is fair. I think, I think that yeah. you don't need to say that you agree one hundred percent in order to be confessional, uh. because I mean, honestly, we cannot. As I mean, as Christians, there are so many things that that is part of our faith. We cannot always like hundred percent say that we agree with everything that other people say. You know, and and that goes for the confessions as well. But yeah. if we can agree majority, then you know the other secondary small small little things. Yeah, we can agree to disagree. I think it's fine. Yeah, I think interesting note. Interesting yeah. note. Um, actually, I don't know about the sixteen eighty nine, but this is for the so let me read out to you the, the Westminster Confession at 1936. Okay. Um, it says there's no other there's no other head of the church but the Lord Jesus Christ, nor can the Pope of Rome in any sense be head thereof. And it ends there. Doesn't say anything about Antichrist or anything. So if you ask me, am I fully confessional? I guess you can say that I adhere to the full confessions. Um, I guess depending on uh, which year it was. Which year, which edition. <laughs> it sounds like a debate of, of the King James only yeah, yeah. things, yeah. 
Westminster Second Third Revised Edition. <laughs> I mean, I mean, of course, a, a topic can be discussed about when the, uh, revisions and stuff, but that's another topic altogether. Yeah, but yeah. I think I agree with I agree with uh what Chris and Joanna shared lah. Uh, I don't think the sixteen eighty nine has a revision, from what I understand. Like this is the original one that most uh reformed churches, reformed Baptist churches actually hold on to. So I don't think there's any revision, from what I understand. There might be. I might be wrong on this. Uh. You know, speaking on that, actually one thing that comes to my mind is actually the Apostles' Creed. You know, the whole, most people are okay with the whole Apostles' Creed, except for the part where, you know, Jesus descended into hell. That is, I think all of us have heard that debate, right? I believe I'm not the only one that, you know, heard of this before. I don't know, I... I, I don't really understand why that is an issue, like... Um, uh, the debate comes up of... the. <laughs> I, I don't know how to explain, but there no, is no, a debate. No, but I think it's, it's, it's very complex because you also must take into mind the historical uh, factors of... Yes, yes, yes. ...that uh, it, it, the, the thing changed, right? And I think it got revised again. The understanding it of it. The, the word used also. Yeah, I'm just saying that, I'm just saying that this, uh, this issue with the Apostles' Creed seems like, a, in a sense, a similar issue that we have. Oh, sorry, the issue of the London 1689 Confession is a similar issue that we face even in the Apostles' Creed. So, yeah, I, I, it just come, that comes to my mind now when we are talking about creeds, uh, talking about confessions in general. Alright, uh, Dave, the time will pass on to you now. I mean, as, as someone who holds on to Westminster, what, what disagreements might you have with the 1689? No disagreements, man. No disagreements? <laughs> yeah, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Yeah, yeah, I, I, okay, I, 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 people, the, the listeners are aware of like the the differences between Presbyterians and Reformed Baptists? Um, I, I did go through a bit of the differences, but I didn't dwell too deep about the understanding. I did explain about you know, infant baptism and whatnot, but I didn't go into, uh, go into very deep about why is there a difference, what are the theological differences. Um, well, it's very nuanced, but okay, but I yeah, think yeah. I'll, just, I'll just say this first, lah, straight away. That one of the big differences about 1689 and the Westminster is Infant baptism. <laughs> That's the big one. Yeah. Um, yeah. Is it a big concern to you then? Like, how do you view Baptists, uh, people who want to the 1689 Baptists? Mm, no, I, I'm not so much um, issue with the baptism necessarily, but more of the beneath the baptism, right? So, of course, um, Presbyterians like to, um, like to pride themselves with holding to the covenantal theology and of course, um, Reformed Baptists also hold to a covenantal theology uh, as opposed to dispensational theology. Of course, mm-hmm. if the listeners don't know what is the difference, you can ask your little, your, your big teacher here, okay? Um, <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. Big teacher, what? Yeah, I, I, I don't know where I, I, I was going with this. You just dug a big yeah. hole for me, yeah, to, to go and explain. But okay, yes. Yeah. Yeah, so so it comes down to your view of covenantal theology, la. So it gets very debated. Another kind of world. Yeah, another kind of world. I'm not going to explain what covenant theology is, but it has to do with this idea of how you view the entire Bible. So to summarize what I said, um, it's not necessarily baptism that I have issue with, but it's more of the overall theology g- girding baptism. Yeah. So so that does that make, that make sense, la. Um. Doctrines, uh, doctrine of scriptures. Can I summarize as that? I don't know how else to summarize it. Um, 
how how the basically how the scripture has played out right from the old testament to the new how how we see how god works throughout the throughout the scriptures yep yeah, I, I think that is a yeah, yeah. I think that is the biggest difference between a reformed Presbyterian and a reformed Baptist because uh I think most of the other doctrines are are similar uh, of of course the the church how a church should be uh should be run the also administration how, of a church also how the how they view the Lord's Supper as well right uh actually the Lord's Supper the Lord's Supper itself is actually the same or for the confession itself interestingly I think the understanding oh. of I don't think they get too in depth. The confessions don't get too in depth. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I, I also no. I would think that yeah, even though it is worded the same, but I guess Reformed Baptists interpret the Possible. wordings a bit differently than Possible. the Presbyterian stuff. But I think at the root of the thing was that Baptists are first of all Congregationalists. I think this is our the history of modern day Baptists. Yeah, that's a big one. That's a big one. Um, baptism. Baptism. Listeners know what that means. <laughs> Sorry. Listeners know what that means. Uh, I think I've explained before congregationalist before, but anyway, congregationalist just means that, uh, we place a huge emphasis on the congregation, uh, congregation as a decision as a whole, because you know all of us are saints, all of us are servants in that sense. So no one has so-called a higher authority to make decisions. Uh, <laughs> compa- unless you're Methodist. <laughs> unless you're Lutherans too. <laughs> But, <laughs> but even for my church itself, we are not full congregationalists. Like we don't vote on everything. We still have elders, so we have a Presbyterian system of running the church. Which David <laughs> nodding his head. Yeah, that reminds me, right? You know, non-believers using presuppositions from the Christian worldview, but it's fine, you know. <laughs> sure, sure, Dave. Sure, Dave. I'm just kidding. Don't not the other way around, Dave. <laughs> Yeah, you just open another kid of one for me to go and just. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We have to podcast one by one about about all these topics that we have mentioned. So yeah, no yeah. rush, no worry. Yeah, yeah, that is true. That's true. We can have this kind of conversation. Uh, is there any other question that you guys you know think that we should discuss a bit about? I think we still have a bit more time. Is there any other things that comes to your mind? Hmm. I had a question just now, but I forgot. Oh man! <laughs> I I know. I, I think a question that I, I would think is uh, I mean, uh, it's a question that I ask myself lah. Mm. Um, if uh, a normal evangelical Christian, okay, I don't think it was evangelical. A normal Christian, a, a Christian comes up to me and asks, "Hey, David, um, you adhere to the confessions, um, and I see the importance of it. I see that it's good for you, um, but I am not convinced that." It's important for my spiritual growth, you know. Yes, I guess it will help me interpret the Bible better, but that's more for the intellectual Christians, you know. I, I'm just a Christian who wants to, you know, obey God, read the Bible and stuff. How would you guys respond? That's something which I'm still thinking about, and I want to hear everyone's answers. I think uh, I think it was Spurgeon who taught the same. Yeah, I'll do obey God, I'll do read my Bible, follow Jesus. Oh, and, and he, what he ended up doing is print out a copy of London Baptist Confession of Faith and gave it to every single person in his church. <laughs> I mean, so, <laughs> no, so if you want to argue that this is only for the intellectually elite, um, I mean, I would imagine that all kinds of people attended Spurgeon's church. Okay, Perhaps you had very low low uh, income people there. Maybe, maybe garbage collectors. 
uh, road sweepers, the equivalent of those at least, perhaps holding on to a confession of their own as well. And of course, Spurgeon said that while this is not the Bible, it is definitely to help you in your in your journey in the Christian faith, in your sanctification, you know, uh, so that you know how to, um, what to look out for, you know, what wrong teachings to look out for. So, I mean, at least people in the past, like Spurgeon, and he saw the confessions in a very important light, not just in a, for the intellectually elite, but he, he saw it as so important that he gave it up to all his congregation members. Yeah. Hmm. Actually, I didn't know that he did that. <laughs> I learned something too. He revised the 1689 also. He revised it. He had, there's a Spurgeon revision of 1689. There's a revision of it. It's, it's, uh, I don't know what's the differences. What are the differences? I haven't really read through it before, but I heard that there are some uh, minor changes here and there. I have a question. So do you guys think that um, confessions is a good and important way to promote unity in the church? Yeah, that's a good question, actually. Yes. That is a good question. <laughs> yes. I think, I don't know, if somehow this, this podcast goes on uh, so-called uh, island-wide and we have non-confessional Christian listening to this, uh, they might get annoyed. Like, why are you talking so much? Why are you placing so much emphasis on, on confession? So I think that's a good question, if somehow some other people hear this. <laughs> I will not give an answer. Come, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not necessarily you guys have to have an answer. It was just a question that, you know, I thought of. I'm pretty sure many people think of that. I felt rather disunified with um, when when I was having a chat with my pastor because I I was you know discussing with him about the Lord's Supper and how my church viewed the Lord's Supper versus how I viewed the Lord's Supper, which which um, which adheres to the 1689's position on it. Um, and, and because we couldn't see eye to eye on this, I, I felt like I was rather disunified from my own church that I'm a member of. Mm. So yeah. This is particularly in reference to when we were discussing about is is um virtual Lord Supper in inverted commas, you know, uh. actually um the Lord Supper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So because of my position based Basing it on 1689, I, I cannot say that, you know, taking it virtually uh, is the Lord's Supper, but, you know, because my my pastors have, don't adhere to it and they have their own views on it, therefore, you know, there was there was disunity la, among us. So that's what I, I thought, la, based on my own personal experience. Yeah, I think within the church and outside of the church, the whole aspect of it changes. Because right now, you see, uh, us and David, <laughs> just to single out David, you know we are we can we can still unite as as Christians. You know we can come to discuss about uh, the different confession and whatnot. But I think it's very hard for us to have a church with David. You know, in in that sense of a confession, because we confess different things. At least, at least in the sense of baptism. So there will be some struggles over there that we will have to so called work things out. But I think ultimately, when we talk about unity itself, what forms of unity are we talking about? In the sense that are we united as in Christ as you know in that sense of the non tangible church in the in the spiritual church or are we talking about physical church <laughs> like for the example that you have given the local church itself how are we going to work these things out um, I think personally my take is that honestly if you if a person is truly a confessional like he really starts seeing the importance of confessions and whatnot. 
it's it's really not easy for him to stay in a church that is not con confessional unless he can convince of the church to be confessional or you know join a church that is confessional because um it's very hard to struggle along there when your your delete your beliefs are quite different from the other members i don't really it's not really a recommendation to do something but it's i i feel that there are there are a lot of things to consider you know not not just in the sense of your confession itself because ultimately it's not the utmost important um it's not the most important thing lah in the world i i believe but nonetheless i'm not downplaying the need of a confession either so there's a lot of i feel there's a lot more things to think through about lah instead of just uh I, I, I confessing would, yeah yeah go ahead, go ahead. I, I want to say something um i think yeah by the way i think joanna's question is very good and i think mm. that should be an episode by itself because there's, <laughs> there's so much things to talk about about yes. that but i think i just want to say that actually um my answer very briefly would be not is it's not really the confession in of itself that i'm concerned about but rather i see that confessional people I'm not saying i'm not general i'm just generalizing so confessional people have a certain attitude towards scripture so it's more not really the sense of confession or not confessional but it's more of your attitude towards scripture people who adhere to the confessions um just generally speaking they 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 elevate doctrine very highly la. in other words scripture you know bible whereas people who don't elevate who don't hold to confessions generally speaking they tend to focus on other areas of the christian life right no, no, i'm not saying that reform people don't focus on other areas of christian life i'm just saying that um the difference is more of attitude towards scripture so actually right if you look at um one of our favorite guys john macarthur john macarthur is not confessional at all okay, he doesn't hold to the 1689 he doesn't hold to the westminster at all but yet we still hold him very highly why it's not because he's confessional per se but it's because his attitude towards scripture is so grounded that we just unite with him lah. yeah so um that's what i would say but i think joanna's answer can be can be more in another time yeah <laughs> can be a whole episode itself that's Chris? true Chris, Sorry, any, I opened another can of worms. No, no, but I think this is a good, this is a very good question because most of the Singaporeans out here, they are not confessional. We, I only know of, I think about a handful of churches that actually holds on to, really holds on to a confession. So I think it's an issue that we have, we will, we will face eventually in in Singapore. Chris, do you have anything on this or not? Uh, I, I mean, to quickly uh, address Joanna's question, I, I think there's generally two kinds of unity among Christians. So, uh, at least in the confessional sense, I think if you are running a church or if you are in a church body, okay, uh, it's important to be united with a common statement of faith, a common confession, right? That everybody can agree on and, and everybody can work together from there. Okay, I, I think if, if there are people in the same church that disagree on certain doctrines in the statement of faith, it would make it hard to be united as that church, right? So for example, like uh, Isaac, Uncle Uncle Isaac, just now you mentioned oh, Isaac, that wow. uh, you and David might find it a bit hard you know, to have a church together because of your differing views on baptism. But as Christians, okay, the whole invisible church, we unite, we still unite, right? Yeah. If we have to do gospel, combine gospel ministry, partner, we, we would still do it, right? We would still do it. And I think my church, Gateway Church, is an example of that. You know, we focus more on gospel partnership through uh, expository preaching and evangelism. And uh, at least the topic of baptism is not something that we would disagree over that would compromise that focus. So 
Um, I, I guess Gateway Church is just one example in which you can still be unified as a church despite differing doctrines. Uh, yeah. Secondary doctrines, yeah. Yeah, secondary doctrines. We will, we will dwell on that a bit more as we get into the 16 discussion because uh, some things we will say are fundamentals. I think uh, for the first, at least for the first two points, or first three points, in fact, sorry, <laughs> the first... I would say nine chapters lah, at least. Um, I think we won't really disagree too much on. But later on, later on, the in the confession itself, we might differ, uh, somewhat. Okay. Uh, anything else? Any other questions that you guys want to discuss about? I will. I will push it to one hour just for the fun of it. I got now fifteen more minutes. Let's go. Any more questions that you guys can think about that you know might we might want to address in 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 the Singaporean context, in, of course, in the in our local context. When it comes to conversions, actually, I'm I'm more curious as to after the listeners listen to this podcast, what kind of questions do they have, and then we'll just answer them, um, <laughs> the next one. A Q and A lah. if they can like write their Q and A to you, Uncle Isaac, why, and why, why am I we can uncle, try uncle. to answer them if we have the knowledge and understanding to do sure. so. <laughs> sure, I will. I mean, oh, we can oh. open it for Q and A. Yeah. <laughs> and we join your 5am, 6am thing. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> it's daily, man. It's daily, trust me. No. Alright. Uh, okay, well, okay. But I think one question that, I, I, that comes to my mind suddenly. Um, most churches in Singapore, if you guys visit their, their website, I think the website is the best media to, to know a church, get to know a church before you even go there. For most of the churches, they don't include a statement of faith, and or even if they do, their statement of faith is very, uh, very brief. So my question, it's basic, yeah, it's very basic. Primary doctrines. Yeah, it's primary doctrine. Yes. So my my question is, should churches like include a a more detailed confession of faith in their in their so called either their church doctrine or in on their website, or should they just keep it simple to? so-called allow allow more Christian to join in? I think for people who don't really care about theology or doctrine, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> but I think for people like us, of course, it will matter. So I think it depends on who the church wants <laughs> to, to look okay. out for, basically. Okay. Is Chris stunned there because of his internet? <laughs> oh, okay. Chris, Chris internet died. No, I'm just curious, like, what, what you guys think? Because, you know, for myself, when I'm when I'm going to visit a church, for example, I will always go and see their confession. Or if even if like, I want to find out more about this church that I never heard before, uh, let's say some random random name, uh, 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 Bugis Bugis Baptist Church. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, what do you say? What? At the Cost Methodist Church. No, like for example. Shakers. What? Uh, what? Oh, what? 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 That's, that's not related to they are not confessional. Dis- <laughs> 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 Sorry, it was just a sudden thought like, oh yeah, I haven't been there yet. Okay. <laughs> to the people listening, Planet Shakers Church is not a good church. Don't go there and then you just get there for the giggles. Oh, wow. <laughs> Wait, 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 wait. Uh, for, for actually this one for more targeted to Chris and David. Uh Joanna, you might have an input also, but let's say for example when you guys uh run a church in the future, will you guys want your church to be confessional? Ouch, I felt it. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. 
but but yeah, like. It's okay. I will submit. I will. Okay, submit. it's Joanna. If you were to marry a husband, would you want your husband <laughs> to run a church that is confessional? Would you want his, let's say, if he becomes a let's just say for example he becomes a preacher, would you want him to uh run a confessional church? Or a church that holds on to a confession, specifically. It can be any, it can be modern confessions also. It might not necessarily need to be the old ones, but it can be the, the new gospel ones coalition also. confession. If you want to. I think it's definitely yeah. helpful. And also, how much emphasis you want to place on it, in a sense? Well, that one not for me to decide, right? I'm not the pastor. I, you can you can move the head. If you're the neck, you can move the head. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the neck, so I can move the head. <laughs> You have the duty of moving your head, right? <laughs> okay. Uh, so I don't know. It, it, it's, my, it's my internet's turn to, to be retarded. <laughs> slowly, so, slowly. It's a bit... So Dave, what do you think? Like, Will you do that? Like, how, To what extent will you do it also? Okay, so so just to, clar- to clarify for the readers, um, again, I'm from the Presbyterian tradition, but even within the tra- Presbyterian tradition, there is spectrums, mm. right? Um, and how much you want to hold to um, the how, how much you want to hold to the confession, but not just the confession, but your Presbyterian tradition, you know. Mm. So it's not just the, it's also the people like people like Calvin, how much you want to hold to him and, and stuff lah. So I there is I come from a tradition in a Presbyterian tradition, or rather a spectrum in a Presbyterian tradition called old school Presbyterian. Okay, old school Presbyterian. Is slightly different from a few other Presbyterian churches. Like it's it's, very, it's different from uh, Tim Keller's church and stuff. So old school Presbyterian. One of the things you can notice about them is that they have no instruments in the worship. It's just congregational singing because they hold to like Calvin that musical instruments shouldn't be in the church, or at most string instruments. Yeah. So for me, uh, to answer your question, YB, I am an old school Presbyterian. So I would say I would want my church to be really really confessional. Yeah, so uh, to the point that I would, um, I would hold catechism classes, best Mr. Catechisms. Uh, it's very sad that 1689 has no catechisms, so yeah, you have to is. teach it. Too bad, oh no. At least for St. West Minister, we have a catechism, so we can teach. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would do, um, I would do, um, you know, I, I think old, old school Presbyterians, we do something called catechism preaching, you know, or catechism teaching, whereas, um, yeah, one of the days, maybe on, on, a, on, on a Sunday, we would, on an evening, we will teach on the catechisms. It's yeah, like so, how they, they taught the children in one covenant, right? The yeah, one covenant church. Yeah, yeah. Out. But of course, again, one covenant is not old school Presbyterian because they have instruments and they do <laughs> stuff. Yeah, but that's the. Ch- oh. But to answer your question, I would want my church to be confessional. La. Catechism is another, is another topic also. La. I think. Because, okay, if, if you guys don't know, actually, my church, we do have catechism camp. That means uh, for the uh-huh. younger ones, uh, for like, for a period of time in, in the year, during, I think it's June or July, basically the, the June holidays, sorry, the June holidays, they will have a catechism camp where they teach the catechism. The catechism that they are teaching is, from what I understand, I might be wrong, but it's a Chinese version of a short of the shorter catechism, the Westminster shorter mm. catechism. It's a mm. Chinese version. Uh, from what I understand, I might be wrong on this, but... It's along the line of the shorter catechism. So I think even for Baptists, we are we are more than willing to use catechism such as the Westminster and also even the Heidelberg because I myself like the Heidelberg a lot. Though I do not agree fully, 
Uh, I think um, we have established that we don't really agree fully on all the points. But as a general, the Presbyterian worldview. Okay, sorry. As a as a general as a general as a general, uh, as a as a general catechism, I think is is fine. Uh, you know. Uh, once you get to question, uh, what, what question was that? 70 something was it? 74. 74. You just keep it, you know, just keep it and then you just go on to the next one. <laughs> you know, we can always do that. Just just use a correction tape and correction tape it off your off the off the book and it's fine. Oh it's well, you know. No, but but to be frank, uh yeah, yeah, catechism is also another area that, you know, uh that I would say is a extension of the confession itself. Is to help to mm. is to help to facilitate uh confessions. Especially to the younger ones, I think that is is really helpful. All right, uh, Chris, any 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 thoughts on this or any yeah any thoughts on this or not for yourself? Uh, sorry, sorry. The, the the question again was uh. Yeah. Let's say uh you have let's say when you become a pastor of a future church, let's say if sorry, <laughs> just a problem. Uh, if you become a pastor of a future church, do you want your church to be confessional or, or any leader like in that sense? I would like it to be confessional at least in the minimal sense. Okay. okay. Um. Yeah. Uh. Well, that that really depends. That really depends on what kind of ministry I would be in next time. What it will look like. Uh. Of course, if I could. Reform Baptist Confession, sure. Um, but I think even if I end up leading a ministry that's similar to the one I have at Gateway, I'll be okay with it as well. Yeah. So, so for Gateway, we use the Gospel Coalition's statement of faith as our church confession, yeah. which does not divide over the issue of baptism. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The- which what? Interesting. Which which does not divide over the issue of baptism. Yeah, I think yeah, that's that's fair. I think the baptismal bat- baptism debate, even between Presby and Baptist, it's not so. It's not to a point where we want to murder each other. It's not like Zungi and Luther, you know. It's, it's, it's a friendly it's a friendly conversation now. I mean, if not, then why would the Baptists just take the confession from the from the Presbyterian like it's theirs, you know. Uh, I think it's 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 a very mutual understanding uh, even between for I at least for Presbyterians and Presbyterians. Right, David. Yeah, I would say Presbyterians and yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's like it's like forcing it out, David. I can see that. It's okay. <laughs> I, I mean we can find a day to talk about the Methodist confession and the Lutheran's confession. Oh <laughs> if you ever God. have the chance. Uh, I have I'm not aware if there's a Methodist confession. Uh they don't I, if I'm not wrong they don't, but they hold on to the oh gosh, I can't open my cabinet. They hold on to the very similar uh they hold on to the book of common, common prayer, prayer with the with the Anglicans. Okay, okay. That's, that's different, uh, I think that's different. But, but yeah, have... I guess you guess it's 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 something. Uh. They 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 have a confession inside though. They have a sorry not a confession but a statement of faith within the uh, common prayer. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. they might hold on to that. I, I'm not sure. But then again, Singapore context, I most of the Methodists don't hold on to it. La. I, I mean, it, yeah, even if you had, had the historical factor, like how Methodist wasn't started as a denomination. Yeah. Um, yeah. It started as a methodology, because it's called Methodist. But yeah, I, I guess I, I would understand why they don't have a formal confession compared to the Reformed Baptists and the Presbyterians. Yeah. Yeah, in fact, even the Anglican churches in Singapore, they don't. Most of them don't, from what I understand. I think we have enough Anglican friends. 
to draw that conclusion. Yeah, I mean, maybe Chris, maybe Chris will be now. I mean, I don't know. What? Whether you'll be at Anglican. No. Actually, is Gateway considered Anglican? No. Not really, actually. Not even Evangelical Anglican. In, in a very loose sense, maybe, but I think they are more. They, they will just call themselves a Reformed Church. Reformed Church. It's a very general term, also, lah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but anyway, uh, I think just to end off with that note, um, we do not discriminate against people who are not confessional. <laughs> I think because <laughs> we can still be brothers and sisters in Christ, even if you're not confessional. But I think yes. on our own personal level, on our own personal stance, uh, each of us have our confession that we confess to. So yeah, I will end off with that note. All right. All right. Great. Thanks for having me. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.